Welcome to Season 3 of the Retail Tea Break Podcast. My name is Melissa Moore, the Retail Advisor, and each week I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and product creators to decode the myths, share knowledge and give you an insight into the industry. So grab your cup of tea, sit back, relax and listen in to Season 3 of the Retail Tea Break Podcast. Today, I'm joined by someone who says words are your 24-hour salesperson. That's why it's important to use carefully researched words from a copywriting expert. So today's guest has work at the Tate Modern, in Courier, in retail touchpoints, and in international stores. And with 26 years of retail experience, you're going to want to listen in to this today. I'm A. Lopez from Copy Unleashed. Welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thank you, Melissa. I'm so honored to be speaking with you today. I'm so thrilled you're here. I really, really am. I think this is going to be a really interesting and also important conversation that we're going to have. I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, loving that latest piece that you've written um, for retail touch points. And I'm going to put a link on that to today's show notes for anyone that hasn't read it. But look, before we crack on, in the age-old tradition of the Retail Tea Break podcast, in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which is about two minutes, tell us a bit about you and the business. Well, I am the owner of Copy Unleash, which is a copywriting business um, focused on product-based businesses. I say I'm a retail copywriter, so it can also encompass not only brick and mortar um, copy needs, but also e-commerce as well. Um, I'm a, you know, so I'm a retail copywriter and also strategist, as we're going to get into. We're going to talk a lot about that in this conversation with 26 years of retail experience. I know. Um, I started when I was around 15. I worked at a bookstore um, to help subsidize um, the living because I grew up with a single mom and I'm from a minority background in the United States. And, you know, you got to retail is a great entry point into the workforce, you know, and I learned so many things from being on the retail floor. And I worked with a lot of great retailers and I've learned and grown professionally because of that. And now I'm really prideful that I'm able to bring that to the actual words that are used to being sold to sell products. Um, And also, I'm also very interested, again, we'll we'll get more into this, into using um, persuasive techniques that is rooted in consumer behavioral psychology. I know that sounds very uh, academic. It sounds very academic, but the thing is, is that we need to think about these things when we are writing and talking to folks, you know, when we can't physically have the product in their hand, you know, Um, and then in that in turn, you know, takes, I say, my tagline is I take your passers by and I make them into um, customers with the power of words, not buyers, because buyers indicate like a one-off, but this is customers, like lifetime customers, And I oversee product copy for um, quite a big international group. I'm very proud of that. Um, With sales in 20, you know, 2,250 shops in 99 countries. (laughs) Oh, hang on, hang on. You just, you just roll over that. Say that again. Well, as we're, you know, it feels so surreal. I got to be honest with you because, you know, I came, you know, working on the retail floor and I'm able to um, sell products for this amazing international brand and other brands as well. I do work with other people, but, um, 
but I oversee five other divisions of product sales um, and product copy specifically for 2,250 stores in 99 countries. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> and with that, as you can imagine, um, and we'll talk about it with copywriting, the thing is, is that I also advise about retail brand and operational strategies because it's all enveloped together. It's, it's, it's a big melting pot, it's a stew, you know? It's, you can't just write pretty copy, you know, nice sentences, you know? You actually have to have something that is backed up to actually enrich the customer experience. And yeah, and I came from a vintage clothing background. That's how I started copywriting. I had a very successful magazine here in the UK. And when I was working in um, vintage clothing in London, you know, Portobello, Brick Lane. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. It was very, it was very fun, very fashionable. Let's see. Yeah. Fancy. It, yeah. You know, it's phenomenal hearing your background, but actually... And we, I've been following your career and I've been following what you do and your success stems from the fact that you know this industry inside out and back to front. Those 26 years have, have taught you so much. You've probably seen it all, but actually now it's really focusing you and what you do that you're sharing this with others. And that's such an immense joy. And I'm sure it happens for you too, but when you read when I read like a customer review of the product or the services or the brand, and it's related to my copy, you know, I can't explain the immense buzz that gives me, you know? It sounds gorgeous. But look, I'm going to jump straight in there, actually, on that question. And look, let's be really honest. And I think I've said this to you before. On the surface, writing copy, words on a page, you know what I mean? You might quick well you think that you quickly see a word but you've made up your choice because the pictures you know the picture's really pretty or you see a few words on an e-commerce site or on Instagram and you're like yeah that's nice but I like the pink jumper or whatever but actually it it really when it comes down to it what you do has a phenomenal and I'm going to use that word quite purposefully phenomenal impact on both the customer and the brand and it's for the, as I say in my article, it's for the long haul. This is yeah. not like some immediate, the thing is, and let's, as you mentioned, let's be honest, um, there's a problem in the industry, okay? So in general, because people come up to copywriters and myself and they're saying, hey, can you just write? So, I mean, I literally have people come up to me saying, oh, can you make this sexy? Can you, um, you know, oh, the phone, like I, I, I have a, I had a creative director once tell me, they're like, oh, oh scoffed at me they said you know the the image is going to sell the product that's it you know itself we don't you know but I was like okay fine fair enough whatever that is definitely a driving force and I'm not against imagery as yeah. you know I have an art school background and a master's degree in film and storytelling and visual you know communication so and you I do get it you 100% agree and you get the the visual aspect but yeah. oh my goodness, the power of the right word and the right sentences is insane when it comes to retail copywriting. It's a marriage. It is. It needs to happen together. You can't have it separately. It's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I recently saw this amazing, I mean, this poster was a billboard. It was amazing. The image was gorgeous. It was fabulous, but literally had an abbreviation of the store name and a QR code on it. And I made a whole Instagram, um, LinkedIn, excuse me, LinkedIn post about it. And I'm like, there was no copy. Like I was like, well, okay, what is the store? Where can I buy? 
Yeah. What is the price points? Basic basics. Yep. You know, and then when I clicked on the QR code, but let's think about it. If I'm traveling by in a car, am I going to be clicking on a QR code? Yeah. Am I cross the street? Am I going to go over to click a, car, Q, a tiny QR code? No. So, okay. So they spent a lot of money on this gorgeous photo for what? Yeah. So I, I clicked the QR code because I was curious enough because I'm you know part of the industry and it didn't really give me any information and it was a, kind of a new point, you know? The thing is with copy is that it's not just like cute, you know, words. Um, the thing is, is that it's going to, the, especially if, if you're at a certain price point, it's A, going to push the person across the edge, you know, because they're going to want to know, that's why you have FAQ pages. You know, people are going to want to know if, you know, you're going to, you ship to their location, if they're going to receive it on time, that's copy. You know, they're going to want to know if this material, if I'm paying a hundred quid for a pair of trousers, is it wool? Is it cotton? Why am I paying a hundred you know, yeah. pounds for cotton trousers, you know, um, or, you know, wool, I think wool is kind of scratchy, you know, and explaining that to them and also how it fits into their lifestyles. That's also another thing that we talk about. And also for the companies, the benefits, the return on investment is not only the fact that you're going to push the customer into the, the buying aspect and making it clear how they can buy through a call to action, but also too, you're going to lower your return rates because, and you're going to hire, you're going to have a higher customer satisfaction rate because they're, they're getting what they're expecting. You know, this is no surprise to them. It's not going to come to them and be like something that they really weren't expecting. And the thing is, is that that's what's happening a lot of times, you know, like Sheen just writes, you know, like, you know, they just write like a skew and that's it. I mean, whatever. I mean, really basic, not even anything else. And I'm sure this is this is huge like the and actually when you think about it logically the correlation between the description being descriptive for the consumer leads to a happy customer therefore as you said they're not actually just a customer this is not one off they're going to come back because they're happy with the service the the FAQs tell them how delivery is going to work if it's going to be delivered on time if there's a lead time you know if there's an extra cost involved and that then impacts the return, right? Like this just seems to be such a golden nugget that nobody talks about. Or as you said, quite honestly, an awful lot of companies because they've thrown e-commerce websites together in the last few years are really lazy at. Beyond lazy, they're complacent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, Melissa, they're complacent. I've Yeah, I've heard, yeah, you've, you know, I've heard some very interesting um, and things in the in the trenches, you know, which is fine. But again, and, and also I wanted to bring up the fact that copy for companies in regards to retail operations, it's not again, it's not just pretty words. Yeah, <laughs> it's also going to cover them in with legal concerns, you know, greenwashing, you know, H&M is being sued. It's not going to be fun. A lot of money there. On, and that's based on copy. That's, I mean, I know that's, you know, there's but also actually, operational that's, logistics. That's a really interesting point. And one, I have to say, I wouldn't have put two and two together. I wouldn't have thought of that. But from a legal perspective, you're covering yourself with the words you're using. And you're also being really transparent to the consumer. And that builds trust and respect. Yeah. And the consumer will come back and buy from you. It sounds like win-win. Get the correct copy that's written well, that's written with your consumer in mind, and then you've got a long-term customer. 
it's a beautiful thing. And then also too, as we've talked about, it hires satisfaction yeah. and those return customers, I'm sure we're going to get into it, will refer other people to you. So there's a lot lower cost of customer acquisition and you know, that's a very big percentage. So doesn't it just make sense? And then also to these companies, they need to come, you know, yeah, they need to come with a little bit more respect and value into copy because, you know, we are the ones, yeah, it's it's really pushing the sale. I mean, of course, the images, imagery is really important, right? You know, again, it's you a, said marriage. a marriage. Yeah. I, I, you've really opened my eyes over the last while as to how important and why it is so important to have the right coffee. And as you said, it, it's marriage. So many good retailers have beautiful imagery. You know, the branding's all based around the imagery, but actually as you've just described, if that tagline isn't there, if your basic information isn't there as to who the hell you are or how you can buy it, what's the point? Do you know? So I love this message and I'm really glad we've been able to have this conversation. So also too recently in the news, you know, um, celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay, he had a new gin company and his advertisement was recently banned by the UK council because of the fact is, is that they use nutritional, falsifying nutritional claims in their advertising. And could you imagine the amount of money they put behind an ad that was just banned like that because they didn't have the foresight to do the proper research to do the proper copy to go through you know the proper compliance checks that's huge and again you I have to say and I'm going to be really honest because I'm sure there's plenty of listeners and watchers thinking the same I would never have thought of that when it came to copy never in a million years would have would have seen or understood the far-reaching kind of issues that can arise because the copy is poor or it's wrong quite frankly yes it's very important so commit to coming back to something you said there a few moments ago I want to talk about the customer because that you've you've been in the industry forever let's put it that way you've seen so many retailers suppliers makers as have I And most of them think they know this famous consumer, you know, their famous target customer. But to be quite honest, and I know we've had chats about this in the past, I do often wonder if retailers really understand who their consumer is and how having that right information can really, really, just like copy, can impact their business. Yeah, it's immense. The thing is, is that knowing who your target customers are feeds through your whole the lifespan of your whole business through all aspects of it you know it's not just with copy it's not just with some pretty websites it's actually going to feed through the whole I mean how are you going to do your um, business strategy how are you going to do your logistics how are you going to do your you know supply chain how are you going to work your customer service how if you're going to be brick and mortar and e-commerce or if you're just going to focus on e-commerce are you going to go on Instagram and spend a lot of money there or are you going to do Google ads I mean, that, those are just some examples of why it's important to understand your target customer. And what I want to bring up as well is that I think there's a little bit in the, uh, there's a confusion here. Mm. Um, as I said, as I started saying about the pandemic, there was a like a seismic shift in how consumers have been focusing and looking at brands and looking at themselves. And the thing is, is that some this is my theory, but I feel like because of my research and being on the retail floor for 26 years, um, <laughs> is the fact that people, especially Generation Z or Z, millennials, 
individuals, they're feeling powerless in the voting aspects, but they're not powerless with their money and they're voting with their money with their with brands. I think that's kind of what's happening here now, you know? So things have changed by the sounds of it. And even a, oh, yeah. a, a solid retailer or a solid supplier that would have known their customer even up to five years ago, they could be a completely different customer right now. Completely, completely different. And then, as I said, I think that just to go back to what I was um, trying to imply before, the thing is, is that I feel like people are get kind of confused, even mm. big retailers. This is not, yeah. this is not just uh, solo, um, solopreneurs. This is big retailers as well. They think that their target customers are their ideal customer, but there's two different things, you know, because target customer is actually based on data and research and your ideal customer is a motive. It's, it's an aspirational, you know, you know, metric for you. So the thing is, is that you need to really look at more, in my opinion, your target person. And again, things have changed, you know, um, and I've become, I've, because of my interest in this, and I had a lot of entrepreneurs coming to me and saying, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't know who my target customer is. Yeah. I'm just starting out. I'm not really too sure who I should. It's very, I'm very overwhelmed right now. I'm trying to do the, you know, this business on my own or with this very small team, I'm a startup, you know, I'm not even sure. And then also larger brands, I'm not going to get, I don't want to get too much into that, that I work with. Same too, you know, like they're coming to me telling me, you know, I'm like, oh, who are you, who do you want to target with this work? And they're like, oh, you know, like a husband, wife, you know, um, two kids, a dog, you know, who make, you know, a median salary of 60,000 a year, you know, like. Blah, blah, blah. Very blurred. And actually, I love the fact that you've, you've actually separated the target customer from an ideal customer. And again, like everything you've said today, it makes sense that one is data driven and actually one is purely emotional. So this is you, like, customers right now are very different not only from the fact that you know I might like drinking tea and you might like drinking coffee but actually I might like drinking tea today and pre-pandemic I never would have touched the stuff because I was always on the go and I might have liked smoothies so it's it is huge this area and it is so important as you say for the business Yes, definitely. Like some people have become more, as you notice, trainers. There's an explosion. I mean, that was happening before. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, but there was an, like, literally now you can wear trainers almost to like a formal office now, you know, I mean, to a certain extent. I mean, obviously. No, there absolutely. Some, it's a really, yeah, it's but, a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. But that before the pandemic, I mean, my father was an accountant in Wall Street in New York. No, that you couldn't just wear trainers <laughs> to the office. It's fascinating. Gosh, when you start to think about how it, the last few years have really impacted what we do and therefore how we buy and how often we buy, it is huge, but always here to help. Um, tell me about this three-step framework, which I love because you've designed it from your years of experience. You've designed it from talking to so many retailers for the right and wrong reasons. You have yeah. this gorgeous framework that will genuinely help people listening people watching right now and it's it's simple let's be really honest it's doable that's the thing I wanted it to be on all levels you know that it wouldn't overwhelm anybody you know because it can't be you're dealing with so many other things I totally get it you know I've had my own brand at one point too I mean there's a lot in your plate so I wanted it to be simple user-friendly and also cost-effective because I know we're all spread thin time-wise and money-wise all of us everybody around the world so the three-step framework that I have created 
Um, would you like me to go over the steps? I'd love it because I'd say people mm-hmm. listening and watching right now are genuinely going to be excited by this because let me say it again, it is completely doable and it will bring you results. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the, the it's three steps. And the first one I call, I mean, it's not super fancy, but <laughs> just again, I want it to be user-friendly, was three brands, three questions. So basically what I'm saying is, is that to look at brands that you admire, not your competitors, because we're always, again, um, you know, conventional wisdom tells you, oh, look at your competitors, look at your competitors, look at, okay, whatever. I, I, because again, I've had my own brand. And as you mentioned, I've been in the trenches. I've been in the field. I have talked to lots of different types of retailers in my life. And to look at people you admire, three brands you admire, and look at their customers. And I'm going to get into the actual three questions after that. But the point is, is that you are going to want to emulate them anyways. It's going to be natural to you. So as an example, like Patagonia, a lot of people have been talking about Patagonia. They're very, you know, everybody loves Patagonia and their brand. So look at who's buying from them, you know? Again, that could be analogous to a jewelry brand, you know? You just got to look at it in a different perspective. Okay. So from there, you think, you, you pick out three brands that you admire, and then you go into three questions. So you look at the customers' um, buying motivations. Why are they going to Patagonia? Um, what are their buying hesitations? Like why, you know, like what, like, you know, why wouldn't they, you know, why, why would they want something from them or not go to them or also to, to look at their pain points. So the thing is, is that as retailers, we're we're problem solvers, Mm. you know, people are coming to us to, for psychological, to cover even psychological problems for emotional problems for, you know, an actual need, like they need, um, they need something, you know, they need a new makeup brush, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but we're, we're solving, they're coming to us for a solution of some sort. Okay. So you got to look at their pain points. So why, what, you know, what, what is the antithesis of them going to Patagonia, you know? Um, and then from there, the second actual step in the whole framework um, that I've created is to do, to go on um, safari based on, you know, retail safaris, because actually a lot of brands don't know that other brands can't no, safari. And actually, I think this is quite a modern phenomenon, especially here in Ireland. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, really quickly explain, what is the retail safari? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a, well, it's like what the namesake is, but but actual brands will actually um, either go on their own or they will uh, partner with a consultant or a retail advisor like Melissa. Oh, there's and a good throw in. Yeah, and they will partner. Well, Melissa, I'm a copywriter. I sell <laughs> with words, <laughs> but whatever. But no, yeah, they will contact you know uh, somebody like yourself to to map out. Um, particular retail establishments, brick and mortar establishments in which that would uh, make sense or, you know, they're doing something that's interesting or that's something that um, um, they have some sort of uh, customer service outlook or, you know, they have some sort of layout or some sort of merchandising that will make sense for your business to look at. And that's, you start going and, you know, having a little trip, a little field trip to these different locations and you start asking questions. And the reason why I bring that up. And again, it's not that expensive. You don't have to buy anything. You just have to, like, for example, you just go around Soho, London, you know, but you have to map it out. You have to map out. And it has to make sense for your operation, your business. So basically the thing is, the reason why I'm saying that is the fact that 
most of the time companies nowadays to save money and they think that they're being really let's be honest they think they're trying to cut corners here they're doing customer surveys and the thing is is that customers are lying on service or they're telling you what they think that you want to hear yeah. or also too there's a quote from guy kawasaki who is he's an, a brilliant marketer i mean he is like the guy but and he has 15 books okay on the on these subjects but basically he says that people will tell you what they want but they won't tell you what they need yeah. okay and that's the key that's the keys there so the thing is is that but as you know you know being in the retail industry salespeople they will tell you the truth and they will <laughs> tell you honestly and they are a wealth of information you know so to give you an example i was doing research on a jewelry brand and um I asked the, the the lovely sales clerk, I was like, you know, what is your best seller? If I was buying something for a friend of mine, what is like, what is your best selling product? And she showed me this gorgeous, like diamond encrusted ear cuff, you know, it was 2000 pounds and it was fabulous. It was gold. And you, and know, you bought was, two of them. <laughs> uh, it was for research, most of research, <laughs> quote unquote. And, um, and I asked her politely, I was like, oh, this is very interesting. But the thing is, is that, you know, people have different earlobes and different sizes and different, you know, there's different ways. So is this adjustable? Is there an adjustable aspect to this? And she goes, no. So could you imagine if I bought you a 2000 pound um, diamond encrusted ear cuff and you couldn't wear it? Or yeah, be uncomfortable rubbish. to Actually, wear? Actually, doesn't it make you feel really like down and you'd feel you would feel pretty rubbish about that but a you my friend has wasted all this money and b it's my fault it doesn't fit yeah that's not good for the customer yeah so okay. if you go into and you talk to the sales clerks and in in something that makes sense for your brand you'd find this out and then you can make something that is adjustable or you know take those that information you know and utilize it so i think it's really important to to actually go in the field. Also in the vintage industry, the, the concept came up to me because I, when I first started working here in London in vintage clothing, every stallholder had like uh, a, rack, a rack of um, these very Paris tweed blazers and, and size 28, they're all size 28 to 32. And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, like even if it didn't go with their aesthetic or the original aesthetic of this vintage seller. And they're like, no, no, well we get, Chinese students that come down here and the, the young ladies that is very fashionable for them and they will pay they will pay, you know we can tell them the price and they'll they'll pay wow. you know so that's you know and that that's where the idea came from because who would know that that Chinese female students are you know buying Harris Tweed blazers at vintage stores in London like crazy like they can't even keep them on the rack that's mad so safari definitely a must for step number two then Definitely. And step number three, I call it, it's a little bit of an Americanism, but it's MVP to MVP, which is an abbreviation for retail business jargon, minimal viable product to most valuable player. So basically take the information from step one and step two, and then encompass it to make one signature product from that information and just have your the bare minimum. You know, obviously it has to be, 
of a certain quality where it's not going to break on people. But the thing is, is that from there, when you once you make your signature product, let's use Telford's, um, you know, bag, you know, then you just start listening to customer feedback and really being open to what they have to say, and then start tweaking, start tweaking, start tweaking, start tweaking, start tweaking. You know, similar to software updates. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, yeah, yeah, easy. And actually yeah. completely doable and, and very straightforward. It, I think it gives a lot of people a, a starting point, a focus. It's just three steps, do you know, and you're learning so much by asking yourself these questions, by going on Safari, by figuring out what the customer wants and actually what they don't want. Um, so super valuable. You must be, yeah. you must be really proud that actually all these years of retail, not only are you so kind of grounded in writing the right copy with the right words and the right emotions, but also as a strategist within this industry, it comes from all those incredible years of experience. Yes. And then also the storytelling aspect, you know, as you understand, because people retain information better when it's told in a story kind of feeling or vibe, you know? It's gorgeous. It really, really is. So listen, I can't believe like we've flown through this today. Final question then, as always. What's coming up for you and the business over the next six months? So I'm organizing some workshops around key services in my copywriting business to be able to, yeah, like, like script writing. I do a lot of video script writing short form for brands, for retail brands uh, about this topic, about uncovering who your target audience is, about product launches. So around December, January, you'll probably start seeing those around. Um, I'm also looking to also utilize this information more for like the real estate development and hotel business businesses because it's you know it's very similar to retail so try to see if they you know this information would be valuable and my copy services would be valuable to them and then and then as you know you know as being kind of a little bit of a radical rebel in the retail industry I'm just going to keep conducting my in-depth research and publishing works on underserved you know, communities and topics within the retail industry and still keep researching and, you know, and exposing those things and having those conversations. I love that. I I genuinely do. I think it's so important. It really, really is that there's a broad range of topics talked about when it comes to this industry, not just the kind of that top line fluffy stuff that we're we're very much known for, but what you do is so important. Oh, this has been a glorious conversation. So come here for everyone listening and watching your website address. Okay, it's copyunleashed.com. Fantastic. And I'm going to put all of this in today's show notes. But look, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please like and share and pop a comment even underneath as to, you know, has your has your image of copy change? Have you learned something new today? Because I certainly have. Um, But I may it's been an absolute delight to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Melissa. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Thanks, everyone.